Wow, what an awesome presence of God this morning, amen? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was, I was just so blessed this morning. I turned to my wife and I said, isn't it awesome to actually hear the people singing? And uh, I, true story, there are a lot of our churches where people come more to be entertained than to worship. And I, just, I was just so blessed by the fact that you have the heart of worshipers and that you want to be here to worship God. So, so blessed. Also so blessed, last night we showed up in town and uh, we went to the local Walmart. First person we saw was Cooper Miranda who drove up in their truck. So (laughs) we felt super welcome already. And then we go inside and we're just getting to, by the way, Walmart has some beautiful vegetables. Wow. Um, But we're in the vegetable area and this lady comes towards us that, well, I don't really know anybody here yet, so, but we, we didn't know who she was. But are you the new pastor at People Church? I said, well, yeah, uh, we are the new pastors. Oh, it's so great to have you in town. I see stuff about you on Facebook. I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. So people are so friendly in this town. And then last night when we got lost, we're out in a cornfield or whatever. Well, nothing's planted yet, but... We're out in some field on the east side of town looking for the place we're staying. We stopped at a house to some people we didn't know, and they were so friendly to us. And they talked about, they said, you're going to love this town. They do all this amazing stuff, and they're listing off all these things. You guys, you live in an awesome city, and we're so excited we get to be part of that. Okay, I really am going to share a message. I just was so overwhelmed with, with how welcome we felt last night by people who we don't even know. So, well... You have, I love that. She's talking about being an introvert. Introverts unite together at home alone. (laughs) That is us. We are part of the brother and sisterhood. That's me all the way. Um, You have no idea how unadventurous I am and how much I take comfort in a daily routine. You'll find me to be quite dependable And my Pamela will tell you that I am quite predictable. While I struggle with changing my own routines, when the Holy Spirit directs a change, I'm quick to follow. Truth is, anyone and anything that is alive is constantly evolving. I'm always amazed at how much the world has evolved in the years that I have walked this earth. I remember how radical it felt uh, probably eight, nine years ago to disconnect our home phone. You know that thing that was on the wall with the cord? To disconnect that and go completely to cell phones for our family. It felt radical. Ooh. To help us realize just how much the world we live in has evolved, let's consider some things that were different just about 100 years ago. About 100 years ago, the average life expectancy in the United States was 47. Only 14% of the homes in the United States had a bathtub or a place to bathe. 14%. Only 8% of homes had a telephone, like I was just talking about. And a three-minute call from Denver to New York cost $11. There were only 8,000 cars in the United States and only 144 paved roads. The maximum speed limit in most cities was 10 miles an hour. 
The average wage, this will really get you, was 22 cents an hour. That means the average person in the United States made between two and $400 per year. More than 95% of all births in the United States took place at home. Most women only washed their hair once a month. And when they did, they used borax or egg yolks for shampoo. Isn't that enticing, ladies? (laughs) And men, isn't that enticing? Yes. (laughs) The five leading causes of death in the United States were pneumonia and influenza, tuberculosis, diarrhea, heart disease, and stroke. And there was no celebration of Mother's Day or Father's Day. In more recent history, there is not a single cell in your body today that was there seven years ago. Every single cell in your body has replaced in the last seven years. Speaking of lives evolving, within the next 30 to 45 days, the following events have taken place or will take place for the Hinkleman family. We sold our house three hours after listing it, and we bought a house here a few days later. Pamela and I are going to move to another state here, June 29th. We get to serve alongside all of you in a new-to-us church, and we couldn't be more excited. Our youngest daughter graduated high school and will leave for college. Our oldest daughter moved to another city. Our middle daughter is getting married July 28th. Our youngest son is planning a job change, and he's going to move to another state, and Pamela and I will have a house to ourselves for the first time in 30 years. But you will notice when you come to our house, there's lots of room for all of you and for all of our kids to come visit. We bought a house with four bedrooms and a lot of room. We're looking forward to getting to know you and having our kids come home to see us here in Princeton. So... When I talk about evolving, when I talk about evolution, our family knows what it is to experience life evolution, and we've done a lot of it and are going to do a lot of it in the next 30 to 45 days. How many of us can think of at least one major way our lives have evolved in this past year, this past month, or maybe even just this past week? How many of you can think of ways that your life has evolved? Pretty good percentage of you. Our lives will evolve on many levels as we seek to navigate life this year. Our culture is evolving. Culture is evolving increasingly around us, including the idea that if we disagree with someone or the personal choices they make, we are labeled as being unloving or unkind if we just disagree. Personally, We'll likely, uh, we'll all experience new jobs, new children or grandchildren, new relationships, loss of jobs, loss of loved ones, or even loss of relationships. And we, as a church, are evolving. You have been praying and planning for the coming evolution of leadership to take place for most of this last year. We've all prayed for this. And it seems it was right in line with what God has for all of us, except that his timetable is often different than ours. Have you noticed that? Yeah. 
God's timetable can be disorienting because the framework that we have to navigate life isn't so clear and certain on his timetable. And it can leave us feeling a bit detached and make it hard for us to engage in life. We may not want to acknowledge it, but our lives will always be evolving. So how does God's word counsel us to navigate life in the midst of a constant evolution? Well, let's, uh, we're going to look in Joshua chapter 1. And if you uh, have your Bible, you can open it or your Bible app or it'll be on the Sky Bible behind me. But we're going to look at Joshua chapter 1. And in this passage, the Israelites have just journeyed across the desert in what should have been an 11-day journey. It should have taken them 11 days, but it took them 40 years. And what takes place is, after the the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, we're in verse 1, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Now that my servant Moses is dead, you must lead my people across the Jordan River, not the liver, the river, into the land I am giving them. God's word to his people begins with a very brief reminder, and he says, Moses is dead. Those words spoke of an enormous life transition that was about to take place for them. Moses had led the people for 40 years. For 40 years, the people knew one leader, one personality. He begun the journey with them. He'd been the leader during the journey. And this kind of a change is a disorienting change. And understand, you know, when when God's word says, Moses is dead, that sounds just kind of blunt, doesn't it? It's kind of brief. But it isn't brief because he didn't want them to grieve. He did want them to grieve. But he also wanted them to know that it was time to turn their hearts forward and then to take up the call of God that was on them to move forward because his plans for them were not finished. In the same way, we cannot let God's call upon our lives become reduced to something temporary. Too easily, we correlate our sense of calling to something external in the process, our our current age, maybe our current leaders, or even the place that we meet to worship. In the midst of an evolving church, God is calling us to turn our hearts towards the future. God told Isaiah, and he tells us in Isaiah 43... In verses 18 and 19, he says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. God is always doing something new. To live in relationship to God, we have to understand what it means to celebrate and to learn from the past. To celebrate the victories and the blessings of the past, but to not live in those victories and those blessings of the past. We look to the future of what Father has for us. We must look forward because it's where the call of God lies in our lives. It's in the future. The future brings new responsibility to our lives. Responsibilities to think about others 
more than ourselves. To think about the needs of those who are far from God before our wants and desires and our comfort. Someone once said, when we have more memories than dreams, life is over. When our memories are greater than our dreams, we will never make a difference in changing our world for God. God is a God of new ideas, of innovation. God is a God who uses us, uses you, to move forward the kingdom. We must pray for new vision. We cannot be content with what is. We must crave what can be. I've noticed something over the years as I grow in Christ. What holds our attention will determine our actions. If you want to be distressed, look within your inabilities. If you want to be defeated, look back at your past failures. If you want to be distracted, look around. If you want to be dynamic, look ahead and look up to God. Again, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Everywhere you go, you will be on land I have given you. No one will be able to stand their ground against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. Get that in your heart. He will not fail us. He will not abandon us. He will be with us. Every moment, every hour, every day, he's with us. Verse 5 through 8 says, Be strong and courageous. For you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. He repeats it. Obey all the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them and you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of the law continually. Whether it's on your Bible app or you have one of these that still has pages in it. Go ahead and just dust that thing off. And use it every day. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. And then it finishes with, only then will you succeed. It's in God's word. God's word in our heart. His spirit in us. That's what causes us to succeed. What causes us to move forward in him. In the midst of evolving People, church, God is calling us to take hold of the unchanging reality of God. Those who travel or move or face new challenges know what it is to be uprooted. Life is full of seasons and few things remain stable. In this passage, we see that the Israelites were moving constantly through the desert And they were able to handle change only because God's presence and the tabernacle was always with them. The portable tabernacle signified God and his people moving together. For us as believers, stability does not mean a lack of change. But moving with God in every circumstance that comes our way. The key to life is to hold 
take hold of the continuity that allows for the future to unfold. In Isaiah 40 and verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. In Mark chapter 13 and verse 31, it says, Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will remain forever. Get his words into your heart. Ask every day to be filled afresh with the Spirit so that you can walk in the victory he has planned for you in that day. In particular, there are, there are three elements of this reality that we are to take hold of. And they're found in that passage of Joshua that we're looking at today. Father tells us, I will not fail you. I will not fail you. He tells us, I am always with you wherever you go. Always with you wherever you go. And he tells us, you will succeed when you follow me. You will succeed when you follow me. When we seek God's will, when we seek his face, when we seek his plan and we follow it, we succeed. Finally, in Joshua chapter 1 in verses 12 through 15, it says, Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he told them, Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has given you this land. Your wives, children, and cattle may remain here on the east side of the Jordan River, but your warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives rest to them, as he has given rest to you, until they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. The land which God had destined for the people of Israel, whom he called, was first entered on the east side of the Jordan. And particular tribes had requested they would be allocated that portion. They were now on the land for which they could finally rest. But part of receiving this land, they had to commit to crossing the Jordan with everyone else who was going to cross. They had to commit to being in the battle with everyone else who would be in the battle. They had to commit until there was rest in all of the new land before they could go back to where they were. They understood that they must go together to fulfill the call of God on their lives. They had to be united. They had to be committed to standing with each other. They had to be a team as they settled where God led them. And in this new season that we're entering, people, church, God is calling us to team up as we go forward. He's calling us to be on the team together, all of us. This isn't a, a church that has, you know, a couple handfuls of leaders. This is a church of leaders, all of you. You all have a calling you all have gifts. You all have opportunities presented to you each and every day to go out into the community, to the marketplace, to the marketplace, to the workplace, to your neighbors, 
we must understand as a church that fulfilling our destiny is never entirely an individual calling. It's never an individual calling. God has a calling on all of our individual lives and also on us as his living body in this region. We, we are called to serve this region together, all of us. And we all have a part. Now, some may come to a place of rest before others, but we will share a common connection, a common commitment, which means we will stand with each other to find our destiny. And navigating change requires the support of others. Just as the tribes of Israel couldn't see their battles as individual tribes fighting for individual land, so we aren't to see our battles as individuals. We're in this together. Friends, none of us, none of us are doing this alone. We're in this together. We're a team, team up. I almost just want to put my hands out there and go, okay, everybody put your hand in the circle, right? Yeah, let's go. That's what God's calling us to, though. That's what he's calling us to, to unity together to reach this region. And Jesus emphasized that this is a critical way to live. His invitation extends that that was given to Israel. God has always intended us for eternal life with him. But in the meantime, we are on the east side of the Jordan. And we've got to continue not only crossing the Jordan, but we've got to continue battling together and winning this community, winning this region for Jesus. We're all on a journey towards our ultimate home. And the very longing of our hearts testifies that we are meant to live forever under the love and the leadership of God. Understanding that we are never truly home until Jesus returns for us or we go to be with him, we are to live these lives in this body unattached to temporary dwellings or temporary things. Celebrate the past, but move forward to what God has next for us. In this light, our lives can find continuity and we can evolve. And Christ gives us the vision for navigating continuity and change. He restores our connection to the Father in heaven and at the same time is the ultimate revolutionary who calls us to a life on earth full of changes. He reveals to us that our God is an unchanging God who does new things. Our God is an unchanging God who does new things as he fulfills his destiny for humanity. <coughs> Excuse me. Pamela, could you bring me my drink? I'm, I apologize. I am choked up, but I am literally choking. Yeah. <laughs> His counsel is to us just as it was to Joshua and the people of Israel. We're to turn our hearts towards the future 
We're to take hold of the unchallenging reality of God and we're to team up as we go forward. She might be sitting there saying, what does, what does this mean to me? <laughs> Here's what it means to you. As we move forward as a church, you get to be a part of an exciting adventure to the future. You get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of a church whose focus is to bring others to a closer, vibrant relationship with God. You get to be an important part of the team. It doesn't matter whether you are pouring Cokes for the youth group, mowing the lawn, vacuuming the sanctuary, standing up front and sharing a word that God's put on your head. It doesn't, those things, every single part is equally important and cannot function without each other. Cannot function without each other. What you have to offer is important. Everyone, everyone has something to offer. We here at People Church will share the hope of Jesus with people we come in contact with daily at work, in the market, at school, in our neighborhoods. That's who we are called to be. This is great what we're doing here this morning. This is awesome. But that, this isn't what God called us to exclusively, friends. What he called us to is to reach the people all around us. And the reality is the people you know. I heard once said that, that we all have a circle of influence of about 30 to 40 people. God placed you in the middle of that circle of influence because he knew you could be the one who could speak into their lives. You'll be able to do that better than anyone on staff here at church. You'll be able to do it better than any leader you know here at church. If they are in your circle of influence, that means that they are likely to listen to you and what matters in your life. And they're likely to let you into what matters in their life. As a church, we'll show the love of Jesus to the people of our city in practical ways. And we'll be an active part of building his kingdom and not our kingdom. Are we in it? Don't be so excited. <laughs> are, are we going to team up? Yes. All right, we got about 64.1% of you there. And I don't do math. <laughs> I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close this part of the message. And we're going to move forward to participating in the Lord's table this morning in communion.